Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Yas here. And I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask. And that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at the Coaches Net. Once again, that's at the Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and I've got a very special guest with me today. My guest today is Emmanuel Dosu. What's going on, bro? Yes, yes, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you, man. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, you know, I, I, I've got to say, one of the things I'm really proud of is the wide range of guests that we've had on the show, um, from any, any and every different aspect of, you know, player development, youth development, and hopefully a different spin on it today with yourself. So, man, if you don't mind, just giving a bit of insight around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. Thanks, yes, firstly, for having me on. Um, bit of insight. Um, so, um, my my... My technical term for my role at the FA is Player Insights Talent Reporter. Uh, in layman's terms, uh, I'm an England national team scout, basically. So this um, that includes just across the pathway from where it starts uh, in our youth team squads at under 15s all the way through to the seniors. But my primarily, I sort of tend to focus on the, the initial sort of YDP phase where we just sort of we don't have the use of video and all these different sort of um, ben- sort of benefits that you know s- scouts use. We have to go out and sort of see and identify the talent with our eyes, basically. So that's typically where I sort of make my money, earn my money, should I say? Awesome. Obviously, we you know we first came into contact through through the talent ID pathway in terms of the courses and that. Um, yeah. Just, just share a bit of this. Obviously, you talked about being a talent talent reporter for the England teams. Um, how did mm. you get into that? Where does that? Where do, you know? Where does one start with that journey? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I think um, the world we've done a bit since 2012 when I first sort of uh, tried to to get into football. I think the, the easiest route for me to get into it initially, uh, after loads of applications for different coaching and all these different things, was was just a volunteer scout with Barnet. So it was 2012. They needed an academy scout. Um, didn't know what scouting was. Had no idea about it. They just said, "Look, Emmanuel, can you just get players local to where you live?" And I, I think I, I did it. I did okay by accident. It wasn't that real sort of um, strategy behind how I did it. I just, I was still pretty young at the time. 
still recently played football. So I was like, I'll just go to everywhere where I used to play football. <laughs> I'll find somebody, I'm presuming, uh, which I did find a couple of players um, who did okay for the club. Uh, and then after about a year and a bit, I sort of went to Brentford, just applied to be an academy scout uh, uh, in, in the North London region where I lived. Uh, and I think that's where I sort of was taught how to scout with like your reporting frameworks uh, and just looking and sort of um, proper guidance from staff where they're just like, this is what we're sort of looking for. Um, these are places you should go to as, other than just what I knew already. Uh, and these are sort of relationships you should be building locally with schools, with different leagues and different things like that. So I think that's where I sort of learned how to scout, I'd say, at Brentford. Uh, I was at Brentford for just under three years, uh, promoted to sort of oversee in a wider uh, bit of London. Um, and, and again, we was just we just, we was just aggressive, basically. So I feel like I, I was taught how to scout uh, by the likes of sort of Miguel Rios, Justin Girdler, Josh Dorlicker, who are at different clubs now, and they sort of just uh, gave me time really just to sort of show me how uh, to do different bits. And then I just took to it and started doing doing okay for myself in terms of just being out there uh, and just putting the brand club out there and just finding players basically that we thought were good enough to, to sign for the academy and do okay. Um, did that just under three years. And I, one thing I wanted to do was sort of progress a little bit from just scouting from grassroots. So I ended up uh, moving to Fulham, who at the time Brentford were cat two, Fulham were cat one, and Fulham were like, carry on doing what you're doing with, uh, in terms of the region you're overseeing with Brentford, do that for us. But now we want you to oversee um, identifying players at academy uh, level at other clubs. So that was new to me. That's sort of what sort of made me want to go to Fulham uh, where I was looking at other players at other academies and just trying to sort of see um, categories uh, try and identify what players we could sort of look to sort of um, recruit from other clubs other professional clubs and things like that but Brentford, uh, Fulham for a season and then again uh, just in line we just wanted to progress Birmingham came along just saw a job advert just applied for it uh, and, and I was just the national lead scout for the south region and that one was for me was just the progression in terms of it was solely just academy really uh, non-league and first team was sort of my remit was to try and sort of um, find players that we can get in on a full-time contract would be scholarships and pro professional sort of deals so that was where I was like okay look, this is a bit different from sort of so on the academy side, let me try and sort of expose myself to these different um, experiences with Birmingham. So I was with Birmingham just under four years uh, doing that role. And then again, similarly with Birmingham, I just applied. I just applied, um, saw this role in the FA and just applied. Um, and, and here I am. I've been, what, three and a half, just over three and a half years now with the FA and cracking on it uh, as you found me, yes. 100%. And, uh, you know, first of all, thank you for obviously sharing that, that brief history of, of, your, of your journey because essentially you just, you know, you crammed just over 10, 10 years in just under 10 minutes. Um, so <laughs> I really appreciate that. But there's a, there's a lot in there. Um, so I want to take you right back to the start. That, you know, you mentioned there, obviously, you start your journey, um, on, especially on the talent ID front, um, with Barnet. Not really yeah, knowing yeah, yeah. Where, where, where to go, what to do, or, or, or what scouting could or should maybe look like. So, yeah. What did it look like back then for you? Obviously, you know, going back to different environments that you maybe you, you'd, you'd frequented yourself as a player. Um, 
what were you looking for? How would you identify, right, this player is good enough? Because I think we hear, hear stories all the time as well, right, about those players who are fantastic technically, but that's all they've got going for them. And maybe mm. they don't have enough going from the psychological standpoint, or maybe they don't have enough understanding of the game. At what point mm. do you start to consider those things? Or did you just, was your initial draw to how good they were technically on the eye, if that makes sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're way ahead of my thinking at the time. I literally just went to places where I was like, whoever's the best player, you, what age are you? Okay, come in for a trial. Uh, and I will, f I will learn when you come in. <laughs> so in some instances, um, um, what was I going to say? It wasn't the level. And then in some instances it was. But either way, when it wasn't, it wasn't. There was no strategy or education behind what I'm doing other than my sort of just um my my general football understanding it wasn't you know what i mean it wasn't anything spectacular it was just me going to places and trying to find the best players in different age groups and then i'll just be like okay let's just see like when you i can get you in on a trial let's see how you get on um that was it there's no there was no rocket science behind it if i'm honest um so <laughs> it was as simple as that really <laughs> so just 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 build on that then is it you know, obviously over that time period, you've maybe started to establish establish a situation where at some point, surely you became a bit more considered about who you were then bringing in. Maybe it was a bit of a, a scattergun approach to start with, mm. which slowly then refined itself before you then obviously then started to develop in a more, more of a, a structured yeah. framework when you eventually went over to Brentford, right? Yeah, so I think even at, at Barnet, by the time I went to Brentford, you start, what you start to do is um, you start learning from the trialists that you bring in. So you'll bring a player in, and one of the key things I'd say to anyone who's in the industry you know, or wanting to get into the industry is, is try and learn what's in the building, the level that already exists in the building. So the way I would have had to do it back then was when the player comes in on trial, I would watch how they got on, and I'll speak to staff and sort of see how they got on from a different perspective and things like that. So you, you do figure it out that, that this is at least the entry level for a player to come into the club and um, they need to be at this level uh or or, or, or ideally uh going way above it if you if you if you if, if it's if it's good work do you know what i mean um so i think that is where i would, I would i'm learning but it's not conscious though isn't it it's just you're just picking it up uh as you go um if you get what i'm saying yeah most definitely so i guess on, on that then were there any particular situations where you had you you know where you find yourself being way off the mark and in, in what way was yeah, that? Yeah. You know, I can, yeah. I can only imagine that coming yeah, in yeah. those instances that you would have had certain perceptions of maybe the impact the player could have had or potentially could have had in the yeah. in, in the environment, but actually that was way off from where the club maybe have perceived that player to mm. maybe fit in. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I think it was a player at Brentford. I can't remember what player. Um, I think it might have been a, a defender or something. And then I brought them in uh, and I'm pretty sure Miguel pulled me to the side and was like, man, he looked technically, he's not the level, like he's he's struggling, like he's he's, he's standing out, do you know what I mean? Um, and stuff like that. And what he did was he sort of showed me, he took the time to show me like players in his position and what they're good at, do you got what I'm trying to say? And what the club wants, do you got what I'm trying to say? Um, so it stuck with me. Like this is me consciously learning now. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So I'm now consciously learning. Um, okay, when I go out now, can this player do X, Y, and Z? Uh, 
if they can't, then they're not hitting the criteria to 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 for me to put to progress it. You know what I mean in that position and so forth. So I think that's where it sort of you start getting the education from from being around good people essentially. Just to build on that, then you know, let's expand on that. Give us an example. What could X, Y, or Z be? Give us a player in a certain position, or maybe some generic characteristics that we're looking at across across the spectrum. Because before you start to really think about whether a player can fit in the environment, obviously the environment is subjective. Everyone, every club wants slightly different things, but surely there's some consistent factors that you're looking at as a, as a first point of call to say, actually, yeah, this guy's worth having a look at in the first place. And then obviously the third yeah. observations will lead you down the path of whether they fit into the environment that you're recruiting mm. for, if you like. Yeah, I think, I think obviously that level, uh, I think the fundamental one is really, can they handle the ball really? Um, are, they, are you trying to find sort of outstanding attributes, whether it be in the four corner model, so technically, tactically, physically? So you're either trying to find them being outstanding in at least one of the areas, and you're trying to hope that in the other areas they're not too far. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So you can bring them along, hopefully. Uh, and for example, I might see a player who's really good athletically, really good physically, but technically way, way, way off. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So that is just sort of what it was. It was just one of them ones where you look, you you're, you're out on a Sunday and you're looking at the player thinking, wow, like he moves well, he, he's, his profile's great. And you sort of got lost in that, do you got what I'm trying to say, as opposed to looking at sort of a wider sort of um, spectrum of, okay, where, where does it actually match up across different sort of attributes and things like that. Um, so I think that's essentially what it was. Um, and, and sort of trying to, obviously, for me, just developing that sort of knowledge base, that skill set, the education from at a time, you know what I mean, doing the job and stuff like that. Um, 100%. And obviously, so, just to build on that, then you talk about your time at Brentford, where you start to really uh, do a lot more conscious education around your understanding of what it looked like mm -hmm. to be a scout, and more specifically, you know, an identifier of talent, if you like. So let's 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 talk about it because obviously this is this is always a hot debate around can you really identify talent? You know, mm -hmm. It's just talent already there in your face. Are you identifying it or are you just observing it? Does that make sense? And then on the other side of that, mm -hmm. you've got. At, you know, what are the key things that we're looking at when we're identifying potential? And obviously that can obviously be subjective to the environment as well, in terms of what mm. that person might go on and do in a particular environment based on the characteristics and the, and the things that the environment, i.e. the club yeah. is looking for. So what, what, what does that look like? What, how, how do you, what is potential to you and how do you identify the talent within that? I think it's sort of similar to what I sort of touched on in terms of just, um, you're just trying to see like, um, just do they have any sort of outstanding attributes? Um, and if they do, then they've got potential. Like, do you know what I mean? In terms of, um, they've got potential, and then you just got to know sort of, particularly in football, sort of, and even as a communicator, you got to communicate these things. So I might have to, I might tell a coach, look, like, um, he's really, he's really good physically. Uh, he moves really well. He's powerful. He's explosive. He gets around the pitch really well. Um, the range in the past and consistency in him technically is not there, but let's give him some time in our programme to see how he gets on. Um, it could be a player's really good technically and then their just decisions. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they might be able to handle it in tight spaces and things like that. And then you're thinking, yeah, that was really good. Then you're like, okay, go and affect the game now. And you're like, he keeps breaking, this This keeps breaking down. So it might be, I might be like, look, there's potential there technically. Um, 
But if I'm going to scout, I need to let the people who are going to be with the player yeah. every day that know that, look, he needs to work on these areas and he needs a bit of refinement in these areas. Uh, and that's only you, the coach, to try and do that for me, basically. Yeah, um, it's really interesting you say that because obviously while you're speaking, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking in my head that, you know, how much consideration comes in from you as a scout looking at that and saying, right, OK, I'm looking at player X and I can see the potential in player X, but have you ever had a situation where you're thinking if player X comes in, I know that I know that they're not going to necessarily fit well with coach A. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. But I think, um, I think it's just communication is the key, really. I think particularly being with England, um, and even if you just say, if I said where things have gone well for me, at clubs uh, would be, I don't know, uh, Stuart English at Brentford or Birmingham, for example. Like, we've got good relationships. Like, do you got what I'm trying to say? In terms of, oh, Emmanuel, I want a left back that does X, Y, and Z. The next six weeks, Emmanuel, where's my left back? Where's my left back? I'll get them a left back. He does X, Y, and Z, but needs work here and there. And they might say, okay, that's okay. Do you got what I'm trying to say? And I think there's just that, there's just that sort of, openness uh, and just sort of obviously if you've got experience you'll know that some players don't come in through the door perfect nine times out of ten um so it's it's, it's a team effort really do you got what i'm trying to say yeah, in, in them down the idea helping to there's going to be situations surely where you're um where you're not always yeah. having the coach that's co- that's going to be responsible for taking this player on right like there's going to be Wait, situ- say that again say that again what was that i'm saying there's going to be situations where probably you're not always having the coach that the, the player is going to be that's going to be responsible for taking the player on the same coach position. yeah yeah but obviously you know if the coach is a particular coach in a certain environment yeah, i mean yeah. and, and you know whether rightly wrongly there's different <laughs> coaches working at different levels and sometimes you're looking at i mean I'm, I'm just you know i'm not a scout i'm just thinking about this uh, mm. off the top of my head i'm thinking to myself surely there's going to be situations where maybe if there's a coach that yeah. you're not 100 confident in are they going to help the player actually, you know, actually realize that potential that you've identified? If that makes sense. Yeah, I do get what you mean. I do get what you mean, but I'm just saying, just from my experience, and just having experience, you might have that, but speak to people. Yeah. So that's more what it is. So I feel like, for me, like especially with England and where things have gone well with players, there's a consensus. It's not just me and the coach or just that coach individual. individually. There's people who contribute to it. There might be an assistant lead. There might be a phase lead. There might be a head of coaching. There might be academy manager. There might be a head of recruitment. There might, it's more, multiple people who feed into the development of the player. So it's not just between that coach. I feel like what you can do well is just having that conversation and just trying to get people to sort of uh, be a bit, a bit, uh, open-minded, um, particularly with young players, like uh, you need to be open-minded because they can improve. Which you got, what I'm trying to say. Um, so I think that's more just what I I do. It's just out of just experience uh, yeah. and knowing that it, it works for me. If you got, if you get what I'm saying. So just just to build on that then, without going into maybe like the the, the formalities around the protocol about to bring players into the clubs and that. What are some of the top, what, what does that conversation typically look like? Because I think this is often. Sorry, is yes. You, you, you're, you're a bit quiet, mate. Could you? Yeah, can you hear me now? Say that. I can hear you perfectly now. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so obviously, you know, without going into the necessary the the formalities mm. and the protocols that exist around mm. bringing players in, what 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 yeah. does that conversation begin to look like? Because I think this is quite an interesting area for coaches to think about and uh, listening on is that when a scout is being brought in, or sorry, a player is being brought in by a scout. First of all, what what, what does that look like? 
I mean, maybe you could share some examples without naming any players in particular where actually this conversation has been quite straightforward and in other cases where actually it's been a bit more of a, a drawn out debate and, and maybe some of the considerations that come into play with with that aspect because, you know, you hear you hear all the time about when players are coming in. Typically, clubs don't want to be bringing players in that are just as good as what they've got. They'd rather mm. maybe settle and work with what they've got because the relationships have already been built than bring in someone else who's just yeah. on, who's just about on that level. But then, you know, there might be situations where you've had a conversation where actually that, that conversation's turn into something slightly different where it's actually we're going to bring this guy in and it's a bit of a project we don't know whether this is yeah. going to be realized or not yeah. um yeah. What, what do those conversations look like what are some of the considerations that take place in there um i think it's yeah i think i think it's about the potential like so it could be so you're not going to die on every hill like so there's some players where you're going to say look actually like we think that there's just considerable potential here if we do if we give them the environment, we feel like there's a potential that they could thrive, could flourish. So this typically, uh, you need consensus though. So it could be um, just getting other people objectively to present their opinions uh, and, and things like that. And and just having a conversation about, um, is there a player of the year below who we feel like is uh, is worth letting them step up and having that space? Is there an outstanding player two years below that we think, you know what, in six to nine months, we'd rather leave the space for them? Uh, or just how, or is this player that we're talking about, like if we genuinely feel like they can improve uh, and develop over time and they're worth, they're worth the time, then you, you go for it. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So it just de- depends about the, just the, the, the context uh that you're talking about in terms of the club like if there's space in the club uh and there's um and there's is and particularly when they're younger there's it's not a full-time contract it's not a professional contract it's a schoolboy terms and things like that sometimes you can just afford to just say let's just try it and sometimes like that but i feel like these are sort of the conversations that you're sort of trying to have with um with with people in the building like do we uh, what, what, what what harm would it do uh, if we don't, if we if we just have a look uh, for a longer period of time uh, and things like that, essentially, because we're just trying, we're actually all together, we're trying to figure out, uh, we don't have a crystal ball, but we're just speculating that, you know, players can develop and let's see uh, how, how they develop, basically. So I think it's more that, I think it's, I think it's just more that, more that conversation. Uh, and sometimes, you, it's, 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 as I said, it's not a hill that I need to die on. Do you got what I'm trying to say? Um, because there might be another player. It's happened to me um, at Fulham. It could be uh, or, or Birmingham with a Jude Bellingham or, or Fulham with a Ryan Sessegnon, where they're telling you like, nah, we've got we've got we've got Jude coming, we've got Ryan coming. I don't need this person is not good like the, uh, outstanding enough. For us to say, look, take this position and block the pathway. Like we've got someone coming in a couple of years, and we feel like we'd rather them have the space, the flexibility to to come in and go back down to their age group and come up and and things like that, as opposed to just filling it with another body and so forth. So sometimes you're like, well, you know, what? that's a good. I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to argue with that because I can see. I agree. Do you got what I'm trying to say when you put it to me like that um, and so forth? But I think it's a really good point that you made. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I think these are some of the considerations that maybe would help coaches and potentially even parents listening to this 
um, understand a little bit more about some of the conversations that do take place and some of the reasons why mm. a player on surface could look like they're good enough to be in the environment, but actually there's wider context to it. There is a player that mm. actually in two years' time, although this player is you know, looking, looking right for the environment now, actually in two years' time, they're going to be behind this kid who's coming, into, coming up. And I, th I think yeah. these are really important conversations. So I guess w within that then, you, know, you mentioned there, you know, the likes of Ryan Sessegnon and the likes of Jude Bellingham. What, at, at what point do you identify that actually, yeah, this is a play that's, that's one for the future and we've got, uh, we, need to, we need to keep that pathway? Cause what, 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 what sets them apart other than the obvious? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, I joined Birmingham when Jude was 13. He just turned 13 and it's pretty clear. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> It's not rocket science. My mum could have told you who's that who's that player? Do you got know what I'm trying to say? And she hasn't got a Scooby doo about football. Same thing with Ryan Sessner. It's clear, it's just so clear. Like it's not um it's not it's not it's not rocket science for these types of players. Um uh yeah, it's not rocket science. They're not like um uh a Harvey Elliott is not rocket science. This isn't we can see this, like it's just about um sort of temper and sort of expectations just trying to sort of uh create the pathway um to develop them for them to develop so areas where they can be challenged and in areas where they can you know uh, learn their craft really um stay with your age group uh, for this tournament uh for this one go up with another age group and see how you get on so just different uh, that's more what you've got to sort of do, uh, and you've got to challenge them. For example, like a, a Jude now. Uh, well, we know you're really good at the ten now, or you're really good in the in the eight. Let's try you out wide. Let's try try you here, and really just try and challenge uh, the talent really to stretch and sort of pull and see what you can get out of the player. But in a sort of measured, in a in a, in a sort of measured way, and I think there's that. That's more what you've got to. Do. I don't think players like that, it's not rocket science. Um, yeah, we can all see that they're good. Really glad you mentioned that in terms of changing positions because one of my questions to you was going to be when you're now looking at a player, are you, you know, what, what's the framework that you're looking at them from? Are you looking at it in, in, regard, in regards to the position that they're being, they're being watched in or they're being observed in when you go and recruit <laughs> them? Are you looking at it as, right, what characteristics and what abilities have they got? That where, where, where would they fit in? in comparison to where the rest of the group is at, at present um, and how, how much consideration then goes into where you, what you're currently seeing and where they could be in the future in terms of, as an example, you see it all the time, the players are coming in one position and eventually they, they forge a career in another position. How much consideration goes into that as a forecast, if you like? Yeah, so I think with England, um, how is it with England? Um, what was I going to say? What happens with England? So, so we've been, we we need to fill positions. So we've got obviously we know we need a we need a pool of left backs, a pool of centre halves, ideally a pool of left footed centre halves, ideally a pool of right footed centre halves, right backs, different wingers, forwards, nines, tens. We know we need different types of of players for each position basically. So I can be out at a game and I could see a winger, for example, and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I don't think he's the level of an England winger. But I actually feel like if he had some time, he could be a left back and an effective left back. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So I might, I'll just say it. I'll just be like, <laughs> he's playing X, Y, Z for the club. But I feel like he could do, uh, he could be effective for us as a left back. Uh, so I'll put that in the report and I'll speak to the, a few people, some of the coaches, the head coach for that group typically, and I'll and I'll and I'll, and I'll try and get it in their mind so that when they go and see the player. 
they can see both. So we can see him as a winger, because that's where the club plays him. But in an England show, we can see him as a left back. So that's just what we're, what, that's just how we're sort of speculating. So how that person is going to develop, we don't know. They're going to be a winger or a left back. But we're basically trying to say, naturally now he feels like he's a left back and the club feels like he's a left back. But can we support his development along with the club by basically introducing another position that we're saying, look, actually, we're going to try and um, give them game time minutes on the grass here. Uh, can you as well, the club, think about it as well? Um, giving them some time in that position and so forth. As, as a process, I guess, you know, I, I get it. It makes sense. You know, you, you're mm. you're looking at where the individual can fit in rather than where they're, you know, or, and potentially where they're best suited rather than where they currently operate. Surely at times you must face resistance from clubs within that. Because if certain clubs have got a, a view on where this player currently plays yeah. and, and what pathway they've got for them, they maybe feel yeah, like meddling in the, in the plans of that player a little bit. If by no, I get what you mean. I do get what you mean. I do get what you mean. I think um, I think again, within one of the best things with England is the communication with clubs. It's not like um, it's not, it's not. As I said when I spoke about it initially, supporting what the clubs do and the, the players, the clubs. You got. I'm trying to say that's their player. They've developed the player. Uh, we're borrowing them for a period of time. So really and truly, um, if we feel like we're going to a tournament and we need you to play left-back, so the tournament's 10 days, you've got three games, group stage games, over nine days. <laughs> you might need you to play left-back. Do you got to say? Like, if, we don't, if you don't play left-back, we might be out by, within 10 days. You'll be back at your club and so forth. So it's not as hostile. Um, it's not as precious or deep for us in terms of oh he needs to play left back and we see it like that. No, it's just a conversation with the player with the club and just trying to get them into sort of seeing what we see basically and how we feel that the player can do well uh, in the position and how we can support them to do that uh, with England with just the the time on the grass but also just the communication with the player to sort of coach them through. Like, look, I know you're not used to it but look this is essentially what we want from you uh, and that is now in the player's mind as well uh, and sometimes with clubs I'll, I'll, I'll go by the time that I next go back to see the player he's playing left back at club <laughs> do you know what I mean not necessarily because that's the position but they just think okay you know for us as a club if he's going to be England potential as a left back it would be stupid to not do you know what I mean Consider it, do you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's more that it's not really, we're not precious like that. Um, um, but I'm just saying for the normal, just for us of England now, for example, if we pick a 23 uh, man squad to go on a tournament and then I don't know, uh, touch wood, one of your, your, your right backs gets injured and then, and he's done for the whole tour, tournament. He might have done it, done his ankle. And then the other one's uh, got food poisoning or the flu. So he's, he's off for four or five days. What do you do? You've got to have someone who can play multiple positions. Um, so that's more the way we sort of look at it. Um, uh, well, so I guess those situations a bit more push comes to shove, right? Where, where, where you're kind of left in a situation. But I I'm, I'm just thinking about in terms of preempting situations where there's players that are maybe to, to, to your liking, potentially could play in a different position, but maybe the club aren't too keen on that. But, you know, I want to... Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Kind of just to t- tail on what you, said, what you said a few seconds ago around recruiting players into the, into the national team. Like, what does that look like? What does that process look like in identifying, right, this could be a future England player? Because obviously... There's there's levels to it. Obviously, you recognising that at club, there's different you know characteristics you're looking for based on the club's philosophy, the club's profile of the player that they're looking for, and and depending on the position they're potentially playing in, the age group they may be playing into. What does that look like now in in, in your role there? Because obviously you said predominantly working with the national teams, mainly working with the YDP, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but quite commonly looking at players that are not going to come in. And solidify themselves necessarily into the squad, but actually you're part of the lo- you're part of the larger process of actually bringing in that initial pool of talent, which then gets drafted out. Yeah, yeah. So, so for us, it's it's it's, it's a bit of a talent ID process, the YDP. So really, the under 17s is the main is when you first in an English uh, go to an official UEFA sort of um, qualification to a competition. So. The under 15, under 16 years is essentially us doing talent ID. Um, so it is us developing a pool of players um, that we can pick and select squads from. And then you're helping the coach to uh, say, look, you know what, let's try these guys um, and let's start to sort of uh, develop uh, a clearer picture of that age group that in time for them to sort of qualify for the Euros at under-17s um, and then hopefully do well at the Euros and go to the under-17s World Cup. So that's essentially what we're doing. So we're not sort of, um, we, we do we do spread the net wide. So we do try and see clubs across the pyramid as, mu- as much as we can. Um, and we do um, try and see a lot of players throughout that time, uh, uh, essentially. And we do typically, by the time you get to under-17s and it's sort of the first sort of, by the time the major tournament comes, as it's approaching now, the under-17s now, you've got a core, essentially. And essentially, that's our that's our aim, really, is to say, look, you know what, let's try and give each age group coach a core of, of players to build on from each time and each time and each time. That's essentially, essentially my role. So it's not going to happen overnight. We're under-15s. No, we're, we're developing that core of players to say, at the end of the under 15 16 Hand over to the under 16 coach and say, Look, this is your core. Let's continue sort of figuring this picture out and so forth. So that is essentially what we're doing. Um, in terms of that core that yeah, you're trying to develop and you're trying to lay a foundation of, what are some of the key things that you're looking at to say, right, this player is going to be part of that core? And I can imagine that, especially uh, one of the biggest mm-hmm. challenges you have within that, and this is a discussion that's been of, 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 you know, quite prevalent recently, is that more and more we're starting to see that the young English talent, actually they, a lot of them, um, you know, they can play for multiple different nations. So yeah, how, how does that then impact in terms of um, how soon you want to get those players in and what some of the things are in, in terms of considerations for that? Um, yeah, so I think, so when I say core, I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about three or, I'm not talking about 10 players or something or like a, a spine, your centre-half, midfielder and a striker and a keeper or something like that. I'm talking about a core of, let's say, if the under-15s, I want to give the under-16s coach at the end of the season a core of about um, 
what was I going to say, 40 players, 50 players, a pool of players where I'm like, you know what, there's not much between these guys here. They're all at a decent level. Let's try and continue to monitor them. And through the process of you selecting them, we'll know more about them, basically. So that's essentially what we're trying to sort of keep getting towards um, and narrowing, not narrowing that number down, but just developing a better understanding of the landscape in that age group, basically, nationally. Is there any is there any consideration for maybe the ratios of where players are playing, or is it just right? These guys are good mm -hmm. profiles and and they fit well for what no, no, no. As, as a as a country. Yeah, it's country is national, like so. Um, it could be yeah, no, literally. Listen, if we work for England, we want the best players. There's no like um, we couldn't care less where you're from. If I'm honest, you could play for Plymouth, you could play for MK Dons, you could play for Barnsley. Like we're not. Couldn't care less. I'm more thinking from a perspective of right, you've got a core of maybe 40, 50 players in your pool. Mm -hmm. You're not going to want 30 of them to be forwards, are you? Oh, no, 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 no. No considerations yes. around that in terms of ratios <laughs> of players and positions of the pitch See, and stuff like that. that. That's actually a good question in terms of, um, and that will sort of inform our, our work, basically, what you just said. So you could say to me, at the end of the under 15 season, under 16 season, I might say, you know what? Um, I've got loads of tens and eights. Um, I've probably got about, and we're talking loads. I'm talking about 12, 15. You can play centrally, and typically you're talking about two or three places. So for a coach you're handing it over to, he's got a good selection headache. But then I go and say, you know what? I've only got two centre forwards who I, I believe in fully, and then I might have a two or three on the periphery. So you're like, I will now know going into the new season, I need to, I, we need more, do you know what I'm trying to say? So my work, of, I need to try and find uh, more. So typically that is what you're saying there. That's that's essentially where we sort of come alive in, in trying to sort of be intentional about this pool uh, that we're developing. Uh, so typically within the England pathway, what you just said there, is an issue like not enough left backs, not enough left with centre halves, not enough centre forwards, uh, um, not enough player in wingers and things like that. So you not not to say we don't have we don't have the players, but we want more depth. Uh, yeah, essentially. But obviously, um, part, of, part of you know my mind goes straight away to saying, okay, well we want the depth, but actually, are all of them good enough to be playing at that level? And obviously, that that's that's a consideration you got to make because if you've only got two left backs that can play at that level and compete mm. at that level consistently, then it is mm. what it is, right? But then, mm. where, where 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 does that leave you guys? At? You know, does that does that create a false sense of security for no. the two left backs that are already there, in knowing no that actually there is no one else out here? Um, and then yeah. at the same time, how, how often do you then? I mean, presumably you've got profiles for each player playing position on the pitch, um, and that yeah. probably aligns itself to maybe. A, a particular system or formation that you want the players to play in based on the national national strategy. But how often do you then maybe deviate from that and go for someone who's basically not the mould of what you typically go for, but actually they offer us something completely different? How many of those players do you, you, do you then start to bring into it? Yeah, so as I said, like, so particularly early on in the pathway, you're not, as I said, it's not they're not competition yet, so they're friendlies essentially. So there's no there's no there's no pressure on me to say that I need to find the left back, the best left back in the world. Um ideally I will find 
some good level left backs who we feel like can handle the level, but I might still think, is there a left back out there? Are there left backs out there? Should I go and so keep on looking essentially, <laughs> which we keep on doing. Um, so there's not, um, and, and even as you get higher up the pathway, it's our job. You need to keep those players out there, go and find them. And if it's, if it's a centre-half, we're thinking, you know what, uh, actually, we think we're going to convert you to a left-back um, when you're with us, or there's a winger that we think is going to end up being a full-back, or there's a centre, central midfielder who we think, actually, um, we've got loads of central midfielders here, but actually you could be as as effective in full-back position. Like, we need to figure this out, essentially, over time, essentially. So that's essentially what we do. Uh, but typically, the main thing is, OK, go back out there and look. Um, there must there, there must be it's England like there there must be a player out there go and find them and if they're not going to find them think think as I said like okay if you're going to play a back three Carl Walker you slot into the three like think about it like, you, you got what I'm trying to say so they're not being too precious about oh this is their position this is that that's a starting point but what else could you do is essentially what I'm saying no, no, great point. Um, if that is going to provide you with a solution to yeah, Sorry, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say one of the key things you said, this is England. Um, so I can imagine with that, so then comes a situation where once players have been called up for England, whether under 15, 16, 17, whatever age group, until they get to yeah. the seniors, other countries are now looking, right, actually, that, can't, that, that boy can play for us. Okay, yeah. Right? That, that, surely those yeah. conversations are happening, but then at what point, if at all, Let's just say, you know, hypothetically, we can't find any more left backs here in this country. At any point, do you start to then, you know, cast your net further or wide? Start looking at abroad? Of course. So we, we do in terms of we've got a system that's in place that sort of updates us of, of any players who are uh, eligible to represent England uh, outside of the UK that are competing outside of the UK. They've so they've been identified as high potential though, right? Of course. Or, they've, been, they've, they've been identified as, as players we should go and have a look at. Basically, early on in the pathways, we don't know. It could just be just contacts. Could just be it's just been brought to our attention as a player in the states, as a player in Norway. He's, he was born in the UK. His mum and dad are English. As a player in Portugal, in Holland, like, his mum and dad are English. Like he's yeah. eligible. He, he he plays for Ajax. He plays for this club and so forth. Um, go and go and have a look. So I think that's typically how it's come across to me. Um, uh, look, there's a player. Go and have a look, uh, and so forth. So we, we we tend to do that, and just when players are dual nationals, we we got as I said to you, we've got a big pool of players that we're selecting from, right? And we're not fixed, uh, particularly early on in the path where we were saying, oh, you're 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 our striker. Do you got what I'm trying to say? Is we're, we're giving it's still talent ID for us. We're giving other players an opportunity to see them in our environment and things like that. So we're not going to say, oh no, you need to be with us if Wells. Scotland or Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, wherever it the country is, we're not going to say uh, don't go and compete, particularly when it's their friendly fixtures. Uh, if we feel like you can get um, capped, we just want you to know that, look, if you play in this game, you're going to get capped and it's going to make you ineligible uh, 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 to play for us uh, and so forth. So we'll just let you know that uh, and so forth. But typically when there's players with dual national, we just got to make a concerted effort to sort of have a a good look at them so that we don't sort of hoard them or disrupt their development 
uh, from competing at the highest level in terms of international football. Um, so what, 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 what we try to, to do our work in terms of finding out who these players are uh, and we try to sort of get them in the building uh, to sort of see them in our environment. Um, uh, and if it is that they keep getting selected and they prefer that, then they stay. But if sometimes you've got players who have been sort of accelerated with other nations, uh, to the first team, we're not, we're not able to, to get you beyond, I don't know, a certain age group at a particular time. So you might say, you know what, I think I prefer that. Uh, and in some instances, you might say, you know what, I think it's, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I feel like I can... I can get into this team. I want to get into this team, and I can. We'll see how we get on. It, it, it depends on the individual. Um, it depends on the context around our perspective on the player, um, and just the context around uh, options that we have, uh, uh, and how that player fits into that picture, basically. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, thinking while you're speaking and and just really trying to, you know clarify or some get some further clarity on some of the stuff that you're talking about and there's gonna be a lot of coaches listening to this in particular so I'm, re I'm really curious that obviously from your perspective as a talent talent id scout or a talent reporter what what would your advice be to coaches in terms of how they observe and assess players based on your own experiences because obviously you're looking at it from one particular perspective and coaches are looking at it from another and often maybe there's some Obviously, I know there's a general consensus, like you mentioned, around the conversations and the discussions and the decisions on whether players should be brought in or not. But have you noticed anything in particular about the way maybe coaches observe players in comparison to maybe what that looks like for a talent reporter that you think actually coaches um, could learn from, from more or maybe, maybe yeah, have a different perspective on? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's definitely stuff we can both learn. Um, um, I think for just what's worked for me is it's still you still got to speak because what it is is I'm selecting you or we're, we're, we're endorsing you as a scout for England right but you're still going to have to go with the coaches who are with you on the grass all the hours so uh, you've you got to respect their perspective do you got what I'm trying to say um uh, and 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 you sort of got to sort of um, try to develop an alignment between the way you we both see things, um, and that uh, for me a lot of that is through conversation. Um, it occurs through conversation. So I think um, I feel like it just it just occurs through conversation. It could be, but I do find sometimes some coaches initially might be a bit more harsher. Um, this is generically speaking, but once you sort of speak to them and you sort of you, you sort of get them on the look, look at this, look at that, they're not they're not ignorant, they're educated coaches, do you know what I mean? So they can see some of the things you say. And sometimes in some instances they're gonna point some stuff out to you where you're like, Yeah, you know what? Um, as I said, this isn't a hill I'm gonna die on. Um, so I'll I'll let it I'll, I'll give you that one. Do you got what I'm trying to say? So it, it, it swings both ways with both of us, but I feel like it's just about particularly at the YDP, um, we're talking about potential in some instances. Um, we're talking, it's, it's a fine line between performance and potential is essentially where we're getting at here. So in some instances, um, I might be banging on about potential. Uh, so I'd rather, I feel like, if I can see your, 
And what you'll find with me as a scout, I'm thinking I could see a picture somewhere. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Uh, and, and it might be sometimes me jumping the gun, but I think it's just the nature of the scout, isn't it? You, you, you're thinking of, of, of what could this be here, uh, essentially with the player and stuff like that. So they sort of, um, you, you develop the sort of the skill set of, 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 of um, being realistic in terms of saying, look, this is what I see the potential as being, but this is where they're at currently performance-wise. So I feel like just being able to sort of um, um, have that conversation with coaches and coaches with scouts and stuff like that, it helps to come, it, it helps you to, to ID talent better uh, in terms of, um, as opposed to someone just dismissing talent, do you know what I'm trying to say? Uh, and, and talent just falling through the cracks because we've not, uh, um, interpreted this, the context properly like he's he's not there yet but he's, he's coming though do you got what i'm trying to say so let's put something in place for the player as opposed to oh he's just not there yet i don't want a full stop end of bye-bye kind of thing yes yeah, um, so, i mean that's, it's quite interesting you said because I'm, I'm now thinking right so when players are coming in especially from a on a national team level how much um how much inquiry is there from you guys in terms of you know from from you and your team around where the players at with their individual development plan? Is there any conversations around that? Do you know how important is that for you guys in terms of understanding that from the club's perspective? And yeah, you know, and I can only imagine that in some instances maybe there's a bit of resistance from the club to maybe share some of that information as well. Yeah, I think um, clubs are good. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say any club you sort of not being transparent um, in terms of off the top of my head I can't think of any uh, everyone sort of says look like um, I don't know we've got a summer camp he's only been back to pre-season two weeks like we've got a, a physical uh, conditioning program that we want the player to get up to speed for the new season coming we can work like we understand that um, it could be um, he's only just returned from injury I know you've got a camp coming up but he's doing one day on, one day off. Okay, you know what? Nah, we don't want that, actually. We've got three games in nine days, actually. We want everyone at it. Do you know what? We well, we wanted to call you up, but you're not there yet, are you? In terms of your physical, your sort of personal programme. So, no. Um, it could be, I don't know, um, just in terms of load management. It could be promising players been bouncing between 18s, 23s, first team, and they're an under 16. Um, it could be we say to the player, the club, you know, yeah, we've got a camp coming up, but we don't want you in this one because uh, you've been playing a lot of football. Sit this one out. Uh, we've got something coming up, uh, I don't know, two months, three months. Let's try and not add to your load. Uh, work with what the club's doing and, and get you with us when it's more suitable. Uh, and your, your numbers are down in terms of your minutes being played and things like that. So it, it's a constant conversation. It's a constant dialogue. And sometimes you give and you take um, uh, with England and uh, things like that. But it's it's not a, a... I think it would be an issue with clubs if, like, we're not, I don't know, we're not having the conversation. And then we just bring the player. Do you got what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Um, so they've got what they've got in plan. We didn't speak to them. Or we just said, yeah, you're selected, come. Do you got what I'm trying to say? Uh, and stuff like that. So before the selection's been placed, we will have these conversations with clubs and, and we might have to alter uh, some of the things we had in mind because of what you just said. Like, there are players, players are at different places uh, at their clubs and we don't think it's beneficial for the player to sort of disrupt that, basically. Um, 
Does that make sense? That answer your question? 100% because I think, you know, I, I could just imagine that, you know, if, like you said, you know, ultimately you're borrowing the player from the club, right? Um, mm. Although you're trying to support the development of the player, ultimately the club will have an, a clear idea of where they want that player to go and what they what their succession plan is for that player. Um, and I guess, you know, one of the things that makes me think about then, obviously you mentioned there, you know, from a club perspective, you know, if we, if we track back a few a few moments around, you know, you might not take a player on because you've identified as some talent maybe coming through in about two years' time in that space how much of that consideration takes place on the national team level where you're thinking right actually yeah we need a pool of players for this camp we need a pool of players for these friendlies that we were coming up at under 15 under 16 um are you already thinking ahead and now thinking right okay although the national teams camp start at 15 mm. is there 14s <laughs> out there is there 13s out there that actually they're, they're excelling at their clubs um, do we draft them in early? What what's what's early? What's too early? What's yeah. actually this is just a bit too early, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we don't we try not to do the draft in early because there's no as I said to you, as we've spoken through the discussion, it's like it's not that precious in terms of why do we need a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old here? We don't need you here. Like we don't need you here. We're not it's what, what, do you know what, what I mean? Like, you could be talented. Yeah, but you're not you're gonna have to wait, mate. <laughs> You're gonna have to wait because even just like if you're talking about just like the psycho yeah. psychological development and just if you just said okay, social media now, it'd go crazy. Like if you just said twelve year olds going into it, that's gonna go crazy. Yeah. Does that twelve year old need that? I don't know. I, I wouldn't say they do. Um so you're good enough uh, like that, you're gonna end up coming anyway. So there's no pressure to say we need to pick you now or not. But we're aware of you though. Um that's not, there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, so well, if you said the the intake of under 15s is this year's 2015, it's 2009, uh, players born in 2009, we're even aware of some of the, the most high potential performing on 2010 forms, and we're not selecting them for another mm. till 2024 uh, and so forth. Um, so, so we're aware of, we're aware of players in that, but we, there's no, there's no need. Uh, it will happen organically. Uh, when it happens, it happens. But there's no, as I said to you, there's no like, oh, we need to get this player in. Nah, we, we don't need to do that. Um, we don't need to do that. There's enough players for us to pick. Uh, there's no need. Uh, whereas at a club, you might, I don't know, that might be part of your development plan for the player, pushing two, three years up and things like that. That might happen organically once you're in a pathway with England. But initially, no chance. Not there's no need for us. Yeah, and you know to do that. About, you know, reflecting on the conversation so far, and you know, there's three kind of terms or phrases that really jump out for me uh, to kind of summarize what I've what I've taken from it. It's being open-minded, building relationships, mm -hmm. um, and collaboration. You know, what I mean, mm -hmm. that that collaboration piece seems like seems like a major part of it, and obviously the building relationships is obviously a key part of that as well. So, I, I guess you know, as we look to round up, I guess one of my final questions to you would be that: How often is it a case of, I mean, if at all ever, do you ever get a situation where a club actually come reaches out to you before you notice the player? Yeah. So again, I think um, that's part of like the, uh, within the framework uh, we've got a club engagement strategy. Um, so it is. It might start off with some clubs saying that these are high-performing players, high-potential players. Come and have a look, uh, and it could be, it could be, 
it's a regular relationship. So it could be Emmanuel, we signed a player recently uh, from grassroots. Uh, I know we spoke a few months ago about players in this group, but I've not mentioned this player. Uh, just have a look at him over the next few months and so forth. It's just a regular, regular sort of dialogue. We work with the clubs. It's not, um, this isn't, we do have our own opinion. Uh, but we definitely work with the clubs, uh, with, with clubs, and nine out of ten clubs, nine point five of them, they they they're helpful. Like you know, what I mean, um, so definitely clubs, of course. And I think once you start doing that, doing that initially, it's just like a revolving sort of relationship whereby every year throughout the season, this just things are flagged up, flagged up, flagged up, and you just go and have a look. Um, uh, and so forth. So yeah, definitely. So, Emmanuel, come back. To, come back to you now, as an individual. Obviously, you know you've had that experience where you've worked right across the different clubs that you worked at. You started off at Barnet with no framework. You started to yeah. Um, you yeah. then gone over to Fulham. Obviously, that's been a slightly different. Um, not in terms of recruiting players into a national team, not recruiting players specifically into an academy from grassroots, but actually academy to academy potentially. Um, and obviously now we're looking mm. at potential purchases, acquisitions in that respect. Then you've moved obviously to, to Birmingham. Um, now we haven't spoke too much about your time at Fulham and too much of your time at Birmingham, but what were your biggest uh, kind of learning, most useful learning uh, points from those two environments that really change your perspective on what it meant to be a talent reporter? Um, I think uh, um, just trying to learn, learn what's in the building. As in what players are there already, um, uh, and try and identify like the performance gaps that exist at clubs, um, and just trying to be knowledgeable about where we're performing well. So you can, your role is to then fill the performance gaps, uh, and then when you're talking about the performance gaps, okay, look, we know, okay, look, we've got these players in this position who we think are, are ones we're happy with, but. Okay, we want a centre half, but what type of centre half do you want? Uh, you want a striker, but what type of striker do you want? If you want a, a left back for Gary Rowett, he, chances are he's gonna want one that can defend the far post um, when the cross is coming over from the other channel. Uh, so if you if you if you can't do that, then he's not a profile. So I think it's more just the profiles um, and just learning what sort of specifically do you need in terms of the recruitment uh and i think that's probably what's happened when you're working at when i worked at those clubs was they had some good players already it was just specifically look what i need to add to this and what does the profile of that player look like that we're looking for um, and i think those are the two sort of key things i'd say yeah and just just to build on that then is there any consideration that goes on at any point in your experiences where obviously every club is set up slightly differently the academies um whilst mm. you could argue there's a general there's a general consensus and a general outcome of developing players to play professional football um obviously yeah. every club is slightly different in that there's some yeah. clubs developing players so that they can be sold on and there's, you know there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a stream of revenue coming into the club um for other clubs yeah. it's if that happens great but ultimately we need to develop players that can go into our first team yeah. um and you know, and and then anything else in between that. So you've got two ends of the spectrum plus everything else. Is there any is there any, ever any consideration from a talent perspective, talent ID perspective, of actually this player is going to be brought in 
for one of those reasons, i.e. this player is a potential first-team player or this player is actually, this was this is a good one that we're going to get in and potentially be able to sell on. Does that conversation ever take place? I've never heard to sell on, not in my experiences, but I've heard that we, we want this person in to play in the first team. Um, I've never, ever heard him, I've never heard to sell on. Um, but definitely, I'm not saying that people don't think like that, but just my experience is, okay, yeah, this is one that we're trying to get in for the first team um, and so forth. That's the the attitude that we've had in terms of identifying, reporting, recruiting a player. So, yeah, that does happen. Uh, just not, it's, it's just not come across to me in terms of to sell on. I've not had that, um, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, you're on, you're on mute, my friend. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, yeah. Awesome. You. I was just, it's just saying, obviously, you know, you've had those range of experiences working right from, you know, um, your humble beginnings at Barnet with no framework, <laughs> developing that framework to the point where you've now managed to get yourself into the national team setup as a talent reporter. Where, where, where'd you go next of your journey? Where'd you go next? I don't know. I, I couldn't. I, could, I don't know um, where I go next. Um, I can tell you sort of the sort of key things for me is are we getting players, particularly for me with the roles that I've had in terms of youth football. Uh, I'm passionate, and I'm I'm pretty sure there's players there who can play first team football in England uh, across the different levels. So for me, it's just primarily. What I've spent doing the last four years is is uh, identifying players domestically uh, who are showing talent, uh, and I feel like there's enough talent out there where I would say my the next role, wherever it is, it would be to continue sort of trying to identify British talent who can play in, in British leagues. Basically, that's that's I'm, I'm I'm passionate about this talent being there. I'm passionate about clubs, and I've been at clubs. You if you do the right things, you're gonna. Uh, develop players who are good enough to play in the English game. So I think that's more, I don't know what it will be, but it will be along the lines of me continuing doing and working in that spirit as I've been doing the last sort of decade. Um, and that's it really. I don't know what it will look like, but I'm sure it'll be something along those lines. Amazing. Emmanuel, I wish you all the success and I wish you um, everything, all the best for the future. And I really appreciate your time today, man. Thanks very much. Yes. Thanks for having me and best of luck to you too as well. Thank you very much, man. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.